Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. ...of the land on which the upcoming match is being played. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past and present. The off-field was unrelenting this week and it delivers us to round 11. The starting off point Friday night in Sydney for two teams who had greater ambitions than where they find themselves right now. It's 11th and 12th and they have four wins each. Sydney Swans and Carlton. That's our fair. There's sort of ghoulish fascination to this in a way. AFL Nation for Elders win the ultimate grand final weekend by opening an Elders prepayment account and for tyre power, your tyre experts. Jared Waitley in place. Now, our Friday nights were going to be key markers in the six-week trials of Carlton. We've got them two Friday nights in a row. It was the starting off point, and Jared Healy had the terms of engagement. House of bricks, house of straw. He has done a hell of a lot of work on this, a young fella. That's such a shame. And we're uh, down a uh, technician, so... uh, (laughs) That's a shame. That is what happens. Jared Healy, good evening. House of straw at the moment, Jared. (laughs) We're a house of straw. (laughs) House of straw, it's uh, it's blown over. Look, we've got two sides who uh, are really struggling for form tonight, and... uh, Carlton's got a few problems where they're back six. They've got a few problems defending turnover. Sydney can't clear the ball, which uh, is uh, a similar scenario. Clearing the ball was one of Sydney's strengths, but they've conceded the most points from clearance over the last five weeks. And Carlton's defence has been uh, one of their pillars, as has their clearance. Well, their clearance is holding up. Their defence is uh, in a bit of a mess, and they've dropped one of their key defenders. So I'm hoping that Tom DeConey gets a a trial run in defence okay. at centre-half back. If it's good enough for the brother, Jono, it might just run in the DNA. They need an interceptor down there to uh, to uh, go with McGovern. And I can't see any reason why he can't play there. Brad Johnson, welcome. Uh, good evening. Is it in the DNA? He played for the dogs, the dad. Is it in the <laughs> DNA? I don't know where the dad played. What right. position? Okay. He at, played at right, the dogs. Did he? Yeah. He okay. Would have, uh, back in the back in the day, not today, it's a, it's a key forward or, or key back. I, I don't know why is it, Jared, that the coaches don't make these moves. Why don't they? It's not, it's not even an experiment, really. It's, it's an opportunity for a player to really maybe find their way. We've seen it over time. Yep. And this week we spoke about Liam Jones being a perfect example. At the Bulldogs was a forward, had one good year with Barry Hall next to him, led the contested marks in the competition, I think. But then the following year started to struggle, went to Carlton. They play him, they try him as a defender because he was gone as a yeah, forward. Yeah. He was out of the system. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's a premier defender in the competition and back doing that at the Bulldogs again. We've seen it over time with so many players. Why don't we see it? more regularly now. I'm not sure, Joe. Maybe it's just creativity, but uh, the old saying about you continue to do the same thing and expect a different result, uh, uh, that's the definition of insanity. Well, 
we've been told by those in the hierarchy, particularly the coach, that the defence is their issue. So they've got nothing to lose. I mean, they may play him forward and try and stretch the Swans. They don't need to play him forward, though. They're, they're powerful enough down there. I'd love to see him at centre-half back and uh, just to find out. Dwayne Russell, hello. Well, it works in roulette. He, the, the bloke throws the ball out and something different happens yeah. every time. He does the same thing every time and something different happens every mm. time. So sometimes there is something different that will happen just out of the blue. I've just got a bit almost wrong on Carlton. I said house of bricks. You said house of straw. Um, it, it's crazy to think that where we're at, really, in terms of where Carlton's at. And to be honest, I'm a little bit worried because they've had a pretty emotional day today, Sydney, with the unveiling of the good statue. Um, it surely will be inspiring for them. They're going into a bye. So this is it's season-defining for Carlton, but it's season-defining for Sydney as well, to me, because... They've got two ways of going into this buy. You win, you go into the buy thinking, well, it's not over. We'll get players back. We're, we're not going so bad. We've still got something big. You go into the buy with a loss tonight in your Sydney, and it's do you recalibrate the whole season because it is cooked. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big game tonight for both clubs. I, I think we've talked more about it from the Carlton side of the coin, but it, it's massive for Sydney, and they've had a pretty emotional day. They have, and uh, a day where they... Respect and honour the great deeds of Adam Goods. Mm. Um, they need a win at home, for starters. Mm. But I was doing a few, uh, just a little bit of uh, reflection on where the Swans drafting is at. And, uh, and and the thing about that sticks out most about the Swans drafting is that their strength lies are between about 30 and 55. Right. <laughs> Ryan O'Keefe was 56. <laughs> Mickey O'Loughlin was 40. Mm. Adam Goods was 43. Brett Kirk was 40, but in the rookie draft. Right. Oh. <laughs> uh, Heath Grundy, who played 256 games, was pick 42 right. in the rookie draft. Right. So what are you, what's that telling us? Well, they're, they're done good with their eyes. Um, well, they have been done good with their eyes uh, for those picks over 30. And even some of the guys playing today, and I've done a few numbers on them, they've got, they've got six blokes playing today who are picked between 31 and 100. Parker, 40. Clark, 61. McInerney, 44. Goulden, 32. Chad Warner, who had three blokes picked before him in that particular draft by Sydney, he's 39. So that's a hell of a pick. And McInerney's 44. So if you look at the the comparison, they've only got two players between 1 and 10 in their side, whereas uh, Carlton, they've got three. Wiedering, 1. Mackay, 10. Walsh, 1. So they've got a couple of uh, number ones. They've got six blokes between 10 and 30. So they're significantly better than... Sydney by way of numbers in the at the top end of the bracket. Kurnow, 12. Cripps, 13. It's good picks. TDK, 30. Kemp, 17. Motlop, 27. Hollands, 11. Silvani, well, he was outside of that bracket. It's 53. But where they are big, they've got eight trades, Dwayne. That's a lot of people coming in. Compare that to Sydney, who have got two trades. And they've lost a few in recent times, Sydney, which isn't the Sydney way normally to lose mm. so many good players like Jordan Dawson, Aaliyah Aaliyah, who would be, you know, staples of this lineup right now if they stayed. Yeah, well, Jordan Dawson's become one of the supreme midfielders in the competition, and they did everything to try and, and keep, keep him. He, he just wanted to go, uh, family reasons, etc. But Aaliyah Aaliyah, I mean, history tells you that was a blue. So and wouldn't he be handy right now, Aaliyah Aaliyah? Yes, yes he would. So on your Carlton theory there with the number of traded players, yep. that's a hand-picked team. It and is. It's a team that should be going a damn sight better than it is. Well, I think so. And you worry that if they're not going better, where do they go to next? And you've, like they've got Doherty, Kennedy, McGovern, Newman, Pitnett, Saad and Cherin. Now, the problem with hand-picked sides, when you – I mean, if you're going for drafts uh, and trades like, say, Wicks – or Francis, I mean, they're, and Hickey, they're, they're trades where you're just swapping dud draft picks. So they're not costing you anything. But Doherty, Kennedy, McGovern, and Saad and Chera in particular, they've cost you cash. Mm. They're the ones who... Williams cost them as well, so he's got a few of those yeah, guys that aren't Jack playing. Williams, but, yeah, and Jack Williams who's not playing. But they, and Jack Martin. Mm. They're the ones who actually blow out your salary cap. So if you're going for the trade, what you're saying is we're ready for premierships. And uh, right now, they're not ready for premierships. So it's still in the eye of the beholder as to what the Carlton house is made of. Carlton will drag us back to the realities of the football season as they face the ultimate test, the test of the big 
bad wolf. This year it's been a bit of a stop-start season. A cough, a splutter and some glimpses of solid football without getting anywhere near their best. Uh, we were able to sort of probably get in the fight a bit, but the fight doesn't, you know, it's not going to win the game. So far, they've built a good foundation to a house in which to shelter for the rest of the season. But over the next five weeks, we'll find out whether it becomes a home as sturdy, sturdy as a house of bricks or one made of straw or sticks. I built my house of bricks. We've got to get better and we're going to get back to work and, and our goal for this year is finals. Absolutely, Vossi's our coach through to the end of next year. Uh, Michael Voss has been a tremendous asset for this football club and uh, we're looking forward to doing great things with him in the future. It's reality time for Carlton. The Blues versus the Big Bad Wolf who will be huffing and puffing to blow the Blues house down. Time will tell what the house is made of and whether it survives. They went lost Brisbane, lost Bulldogs, lost Collingwoods and our two Friday nights are Sydney and Melbourne and when the torches are at the gate mm. and the torches are at the Carlton gate, it wouldn't want to be made of straw and it looks decidedly strawish. It does. I mean, the best they can do, I think, is have a win tonight and uh, push up with a little bit of... Uh, Renovation with some sticks, and I think they will get the job done today to take some heat off. They need uh, they need a little bit of uh, time outside of the glare of the public, but uh, it won't be easy, as Dwayne said. The Swans will be emotionally ramped up. They need a win themselves, but I think the Blues are probably just travelling a little bit better than the Swans are at the moment. The Blues, for me, just they've got too many players that... And, and I think of Richmond, and I go, OK, well, Cotchin was getting his 30-pluses, and Martin was trying to get 30s, and handballs around the back and it wasn't until Damien Hardwick survived changed some coaches and they mm. brought in a whole new style well all of a sudden it was down to the mid-20s were maximum but it was maximum impact on on the game for me they've just got too many players that are just accumulating looking to accumulate get that easy ball get that outlet ball from a midfield perspective Doherty 34 last week Chera 33 Walsh 29 Cripps 26 normally in the 30s they've got five or six guys that are massive accumulators of the ball but they're not. It's not giving the desired impact in res, in regards to their results. Their scoreboard um, numbers are, are right down, and it's that's the biggest area for me that needs to change. It goes okay when you listen to to what you just put together. Then, Jared, we've got to get better. We've got to get back to work. But it's it's more than just getting back to work. It's what type of work. It's the right type of work. It's potentially positional changes. It's working with these guys that accumulate and go. What's your, what's your significant impact on this game? Because if you're having 34, but 10 of those are having the significant impact and the other 24 aren't, mm. that's a big issue for, for me. They've got too many players lining out off, off back 50, weedering marks. He's got eight options that are all just lining out, wanting to get the ball. All the, all the halfbackers running into that position. Mm. The midfielder's getting down there as well. And, it, and that's, that's what needs to shift. It's a game style that needs to shift. And it can start shifting now, and it might have the desired impact to get them to the position where they need to this year. But going along this same track of just got to get better, got to go back to work, it's... Stick to it's, the process, we're yeah, told. We, we've been told by Carlton we're sticking to the no, process. They, they've got to, I think they've got to change what, change what the they're process. doing. I think they've got to change it, because what's happening now is not going to see them play finals footy at all, regardless of how, much stats, how many stats you get, mm. because of where they're getting their stats. That needs to change right now, and their style has to change with that. Are you surprised Fisher's not on the side? Because I look at Durden, Motlop, and Owies, and Owies has uh, kicked a couple Owies of nice goals okay. in recent times. But we're, we're viewing the small forwards through the prism of the 1980s or the, or the 1990s. These guys have to be up and down the ground. They have to be Richmond-esque in their glory years and their small forwards going up and back, up and back, motoring. And I saw Fisher doing that, and okay, he might not have kicked the, the goals that they were hoping, but uh, you know, Cottrell I think is a good inclusion. He gives them some speed and can probably cover off from Patrick Cripps's man. But uh, they need to do a lot more work up and back the ground. Those collective runners, both insiders and outsiders. Fisher, I think, started to fall into that mould of just wanting as many touches by the end of the day, and he needs to be impact from 
the centre of the ground forward. That's that's Fisher to a T. Get up, get some ball, get 15 to 20, but it's maximum maximum impact. Mm. You've got Cottrell and Akers who own the wings, but they own the wings in the back half of the ground. So they're the first outlet. So they're part of the eight that line up to get the easy ball on, on exit from D50. And maybe they should be the first ones, and maybe that's fine. But you don't need teammates around you within five metres looking for that same ball. It's interesting where you're focusing so much on Carlton, and I assume the issue is that the Swans have had so many injuries. They've, they're missing two McCartans and Rampy in the back half, mm. but there's there's a lot more wrong with the Swans game than they would uh, have you, well, not they would have you believe, but the, the media would have you believe. I mean, they've been giving an easy out. But, I mean, when you throw Mills on top, that is, that's okay, that's starting to cut deep. But their midfield and their clearance work has been just so sub- Sydney Swan-esque, that it left John Longmire speechless two weeks ago. I mean, he, he could not believe what happened against the Fremantle Dockers and, and even last week. I mean, the only way North Melbourne looked like scoring was coming out of clearance. And that, you know, we're talking about a midfield that's got Parker and Goulden and Warner and Papley and Rowbottom. And, OK, the, the Ruckman, he, he may not be Max Gorn, but the ball is on the deck most of the time coming out. I mean, it's hit out to advantage even if you give them a generous 15%. It's it's no excuse and there's no reason. And, and Sydney has been floating, I think, underneath the radar to a large degree. And poor old Vossi has been copping it in the neck. Can you look back, Jared, and go, OK, the start of last year, before, nor, before Sydney get to the position they did, yeah. where would you have rated them last year? I thought, it, I thought a good season would be to scrape into the ice. There you go. Yeah. So, that, and this... this edges towards my point, is that you've got... Then, yeah, they achieved what they did, and, and great. Yeah. They, they blew one out of the water, and, and that's awesome. But maybe they're just back to where... Mm. Well, with they're, those they're, they're below where they should be, but with those injuries, maybe they're just back to where they should be in a natural progression as a club to go forward, because I look at... I go back to the Bulldogs winning 2016, yeah. and it was, it was out of the blue, it was out of the box, but they had an unbelievable year, yeah. and they got it right, and they had something that the opposition couldn't stop. Yeah. Sydney Swans are exactly the same until they get to that that GF. And the dogs off the back of that weren't ready for that sustained success of playing top four teams consistently to continue on with that, you know, ex- expectation of, of winning a grand final. I'd accept everything so, you're saying there, and I think it's, it's a very fair point. But if you look at the minutiae of Sydney, they've got too many players who aren't improving on last year. Agree with that. I agree with that. And they've, they've probably got eight that... That have improved on last year, and who, others who, that who are, would you say? others that have dropped away. Well, I think McLean has Parker consistently gets yep. the tick. So does Lloyd with what the standard they produce week in week out. I think Blakey has, I think Florin has. Fox getting a game has been a significant improvement, and I think Cunningham just is that. Well, he didn't where, get a where game is last that? Year, so. Yeah, so where where is that? But they've got a number that have dropped away, uh, and Goulden's the other one with a tick yep. as well. I think has gone to another level this year. But Warner hasn't hit his heights of last year. Rowbottom hasn't hit the heights of. Last year, Haywood, McInerney, so, Heaney, yeah, Heaney. Sorry, Heaney's the other one, and Tommy Papley. Mm. So and Buddy. So all of a sudden, you're, you're talking about some pretty serious players mm. that need to perform for the, for them to win. So they got some issues with injury in the back half, and you can't dispute that. I mean, they are, yeah, know, of course. But midfield, we've only got Parker, who's playing as good or better, and forward, there's some some serious holes, and, and Mills out is is a real struggle. So. It's, it's an interesting story of yeah. why for both. And that's why it combines to make such a fascinating game yeah. tonight and then tomorrow's conversation. Yeah. If, if one has an emphatic loss, mm. if they scrap and write to the wire, I don't know. Is there a, a, there's immense possibility in it. And mm. the, the downside is huge. Mm. Um, but the chance to recover and try to get back into the fight, as Dwayne articulated. So Sydney fluke a win last week to keep them fight, yep. to keep them mathematically viable. And can they parlay that into something today? Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Um, a remarkable week. <laughs> like the, the Hardwick story is as big a coaching story as there's been in years. A couple of weeks ago on a Friday night after Tassie was announced as the 19th licence, I think I said this might be one of the biggest weeks we've ever sat down on a Friday night and talked about footy. It just amazes you every week what happens in this game. Even when you think you know, you don't know. And here we are with Richmond in a situation where something out of the blue has happened and they've done it so amazingly well. We're all sitting back saying, wow, how can, how can you actually get that to work 
in such a spectacularly good way. The departure of a coach like that, well done to you, Richmond, and well done to Damien Harbick. I mean, uh, just take my hat off to him. Mm. No, I'd, I'd echo those sentiments, and I think that they've got a guy who's ready to coach coming up. He's understated, mm. but he just may be the perfect man. And they may they may actually lift. They may need a change of voice, as Damien Hardwick says. He might be the best sausage cook we've seen for a while. Yeah. I mean, they don't. And, and, and that's why tomorrow is a, such a fantastic game. Port Adelaide and uh, the history of Ken Hinckley mm. and the association of Ken Hinckley, potentially with Richmond, which would be weird if you ask me, but uh, it's it's got so many sort of layers to it, mm. the, the whole debate. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if McWalter Stepped up and saluted first time. If Hardwick was coaching, they'd be living certainties. Mm. Uh, he's not, so it's sort of this void as... Uh, you reckon the they'd be living certainties? Uh, living certainties. Why? But that's the emotion that sport is played on to honour oh, the Oh, sorry, after, after, after yes, the... Yes, yeah. yes, if yeah. he had, yeah. had if one he was more coaching game. On no, Sunday. I agree with that, yeah. Um, and then, so in the void, yeah. what does the void look like? No, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, the reverse curse has been going for seven <laughs> weeks. It's, it could go into its eighth week. <laughs> which is an, a story in, in itself when the season uh, is writ. They'll be talking about uh, the way Ken Hinckley has turned it around. And, geez, if he, can, if, he can, if he can win this one, and I mean, the top four is, is not out of the question given Geelong's issues. I think if, a, if in the future we have a coach go on a run like Damien Hardwick did in 1920, then we may see similar outcomes for a coach departing at the right time. So that they can have that, they can have that ability to go back to the club and be a huge part of the future in regards to attending events and and still being a part of that. If they don't go on to coach somewhere else in that period, but even if they do, going back to certain premiership functions and all those mm. sort of things, I think it's I think it's a really smart move from from Damien Hardwick in that in that perspective because generally it gets to a point where it becomes messy at some point for the coach because of performance, win loss, pressure. Okay, you're out. You're out the door. As much as you, you exit in a negative way, it does have a reflection on you walking back in for some people. Lee so, Matthews left, not in similar circumstances because he left at the end of the season, thinking it was time to hand over to Vossi. But uh, that was pretty quick, wasn't it? And, yeah. and I reckon um, he's now on their board. So. Blighty was yeah. pretty quick out of Adelaide as well. I think it yeah. wasn't long after Blighty's, you know, iconic two premiership period of Adelaide. Yeah. It was like it was done. Mm. That was it. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's. And for, for Damien Hardwick, look, he, he's the only one who, who knows the, the inner workings of, of the decision-making that he, that he comes to and the people that he's spoken to to assist in that decision-making process. But, but ultimately, for him to make this call, I think it's a, it's a really brave and a really strong call for, for himself, but also, you know, the Richmond Football Club and, and their way forward. It immediately heightened the coaching market, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Oh, a lot of discussion. Hot. I mean, it's, it's all probably heightened also because of the Hinkley situation, which I don't see these stories changing for Ken. I, I just think they just stick to their 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 outlined uh, deal, and that is we'll come back in August. We'll either give you another two years, and if you're not happy with that, well, it's probably time to go. But if it was me and you had a chance to, say, go to Richmond for four or five years or two years with the group that you've brought forward mm. and back yourself in for another two years... I'm taking the two years. I mean, this is such an exciting time for Port Adelaide. I can't see Ken Hinckley who... It's his club. They're his guys. I mean, who cares what happened eight years ago? This is a new era, a new chapter. He's, he's reinvented himself. They've got some great players there. I don't think it muddies the, the waters for them. And, I mean, if uh, the reverse curse continues, then I just think uh, Hinckley stays on. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. As it's really where the Port Adelaide want him mm. by the end of the season. But he's brought through. He made the the tricky call mm. to go. Okay, let's reinvent it and bring in Butters and Rosie. Yeah, absolutely. And right now he's a hundred percent right. Mm. And the next and three, exciting. the next three years is where you sort of get to run it out. Yeah, with Horn Francis in, Dwayne. That, tell me the better three midfielders, young midfielders that Port's had over the time. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100. percent I can see him staying myself. So I'm not. I'm not joining the narrative of Ken might be out. I'm joining the narrative of I. I, I just can't see any other way. But yeah. Ken's sticking with this group. To be honest, I, I don't think he has to make a prelim final to keep the job. By the way, either I think make the finals so, yeah. and and you know I, I would like to see them win a final, but. I think he's got enough momentum and enough improvement out of this group to say this is this is a parlayable into another. And I'm with you. What happened eight years ago 
isn't valid anymore. Mm. They've also got Ollie Lord, and I, I don't want to overcook this kid, but he he could be anything, this, this young bloke. And so there's a transition from King Charlie, and I think King Charlie, if I'm coaching or I'm advising, he's now a ruckman in my eyes or close to, mm. because Ollie Lord can be the target. He probably can go into the ruck too. He's a skinny kid, but he's, he's, a, he's a very competitive kid. So you can see this. You can see this evolution of the tall forwards as well with Marshall and Ollie Lord. So it's just a lot of positives for Port. Oh, there is. If by round fifteen he secured a finals berth, Ken Hinckley, would you, as a, would you consider it as a football oh, club I'd, I'd to announce it then? Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, wait yeah. until a fourteenth. Which is the buy? Which is the buy round? Yeah, I'd wait until a fourteenth win. Yeah, yeah. But once that's done, I'm happy to say, okay, boys, he's our man, and just take all the heat out of it then, and then. And if it goes downhill from there, that's the gamble you take. But I think the the upside of Port Adelaide's stability being able to be a a a, a missile into the finals is good. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for tilers. Friday night footy at the SCG, the Sydney Swans and Carlton. We're going to touch base with both camps and kick around the issues of the week on the way to the opening side. Friday night footy at the SCG, the Sydney Swans and Carlton. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Jared Healy and Brad Johnson with you. And with us at the ground is senior assistant coach at the Swans, Dean Cox. Dean, great to have you on AFL Nation. Welcome. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Just give us your overall on how you're trending at four and six after sneaking out of last week with the four points to keep you viable. Yeah, it hasn't been the ideal start to the season. Um, obviously, we've, we cost ourselves a couple of times with some games and we're in front in the last quarter against Port Adelaide and the Giants. But, yeah, it's been a little bit inconsistent and we need to wind up as quickly as we possibly can. Coxie, last week you win by three points against North Melbourne. How do you yep. assess that performance in terms of, you know, post-game initially, but then as the week unfolds and things settle down? I think, first of all, the way we started, missed opportunities probably early. Um, we kicked two goals, five, and had some real ascendancy. And then the ability to allow them to get back in the game, that's something that we spoke about. Um, we were too easy to score against uh, throughout that probably second and third period. And then when they got in front of the last, the last sort of 10 minutes, we we sort of ramped it right up and were able to get back in front and, and obviously got the result in the end. But it was a bit of a mixed bag, and you want to make sure that you... Obviously, the standards that you set to be able to get scored against was, was not good enough, and we need to highlight that, but also um, certainly reward once we got going to keep three or four in a row late in the game. Centre clearances have been a bit of an issue, uh, Coxie. Have you, have you worked out why you're getting so badly beaten there in the last uh, three weeks? Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, last three weeks, spot on, we were probably the best team up until then. Yeah. And then the last three, we've gone minus six, minus 11, minus 10. So we, we're certainly an area we need to look at. So it's not just obviously some of the personnel, but also sides are getting some real ascendancy and some field position on that part of the ground. So, you know, against a really strong midfield tonight, we've got to make sure that we can try and square that battle and, and get some ascendancy going our way. But we've looked at it the past probably week and a half and, and tried to really drill into it and go back to some of the basic fundamental stuff that we were doing at the start of the year. So given that you haven't got a dominant ruckman, is, is, the, yeah. is the message rove to the opposition? Is it make sure your bloke doesn't get it before you attempt to get it or is it just use your eye and, and play the ball as it sits? No, you try and understand, first of all, where they're going to hit it. Yeah, and as you said, we probably go... 30, 40% of the hand. So the ability to be able to identify what the opposition ruck's trying to do to some of their target zones. Yep. That's something you need to look at dramatically. Um, their target players, obviously they've got some that they go to a fair bit and some of the patterns that they do. So the ability to be able to, first of all, if they do win a clearance, to be able to make sure that it's a dirty ball going forward and yep. um, at the back of the circle where they've come out the front a few times, which has been really disappointing. And Papley was at it again. He was, I think, in one every three centre clearances for the first five weeks and it moved to one in ten. What, what was the reason for the, I guess, the change to excluding from the centre bounce? No, nah, there's, there's been no sort of Tom not to be there. The first part training, um, he hasn't been doing that the past or the, for that period throughout that. So, you know, his ability to be able to play forward, we wanted to make sure that that happened. But yep. 
you know, we need his speed and energy and quick feet, certainly around when you're not winning the hit-outs, to be able to make up speed certainly covers a lot of sin. So we're going to make sure he's around there. Uh, he'll be doing a bit of it tonight. and um, Hopefully he can um, win some ball himself and get it going our way. Cox, you talked to us about Isaac Henney. We understand, look, his, his preparation and everything that we've learned about Isaac over his entire career is is top shelf, and he and he prepares in the in the best fashion to best fashion to to get himself right on on game day. The expectation for performance is high off the back of that and what he's produced in the past. It hasn't quite hit the heights this year. What what are your expectations internally from a Isaac Heaney in terms of rating his or or, or evaluating his performance? Yeah, Isaac's been well, probably quiet this season, you know, to come off the year that he had last year. I think everyone knows his ability to be able to win the ball ahead of, you know, in our forward line has been really important. Um, you know, early in the year we were generating a fair few, a fair, you know, 55, 65 inside 50s. And, mm. you know, so he was, he was just a little bit out of form and the ability to be able to get him up around the ball at times, um, how much you do it, sort of a, a real balancing act between trying to score and um, and get him around and involved around the ball. So we'll see a bit of that tonight. Um, we want to try and get him back in form as quickly as he possibly can. He's been training. Uh, he's trying to get out of it. and um, Hopefully tonight that happens. What impresses you about Errol Goulden? Because we just love watching him. <laughs> uh, you're not the only one. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's an unbelievable um, young footballer. I think as soon as he got to the football club, knew exactly what he wanted to do. He's a student of the game. He spends a, real, a hell of a lot of time with coaches going through um, areas, not only about himself, but how he can help the team. And, you know, to have that understanding that a young player in his third year of senior foot, he's a, an unbelievable trait and he works as hard as he possibly can. Yeah, we just wish we had a few more of him. There was a, a, a special day or a special night tonight, uh, the unveiling of the Adam Goods statue. And you've got a great history with Adam Goods and with the Swans, but as a player, I mean, they were storied contests between uh, the West Coast Eagles, of which you were a major force, and, of course, the Swans, of which Goodsy was a, uh, a major force. Uh, two finals at, uh, at a split second between both of them. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I was fortunate enough to be there this afternoon, and what certainly Adam's contributed to, to this football club and AFL in general. You know, from afar, I admired the way he played. It's always a one of the hardest matchups that certainly our team had to worry about. And, you know, I think what he's done post footy as well with, you know, and obviously the Marn Cook weekend, yep. um, you know, his mum made the first jumper that he captained in and played in um, years ago when he did that uh, war dance. So, you know, I think for, for what he stand up, stands for, stood up for, um, and tries to continually educate, uh, it was an amazing afternoon and hopefully... Um, you know, all the Indigenous boys that played for the Swans are here tonight and hopefully we can make them proud. Coxie, what are the main focus areas for the, for the Swans fans listening in at the moment as we build up to this game to take apart the Blues? What are the main focus areas for you guys? Oh, first of all, to match them in the contest of the number one contested ball team. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, we want to make sure that we can get that done. Our loose ball stuff's been pretty good for the season, so it's not just the first part, but our ability to get from contest to contest. Um... Our defensive intent, they try and, um, you know, they're really high with uncontested marks in their back half, so we've got to make sure that we can squeeze them in our front half and try and get those front half turnovers. So we want to be defensively sound, set up really well behind the ball and, and get back to playing that powerful ball that we've shown previous years. Dean, great to have you with us. Good luck for tonight. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Dean, well, could you be in the rooms before the game? Uh, not sure. Okay. So hopefully, yeah, some of them will be coming down and making sure they're doing it. Good stuff. Yeah. Dean, thanks awesome. a lot. No problem at all. Thanks for having me, guys. Dean Cox, Senior Assistant Coach at the Swans. And he's a chance to go on and become a senior coach. Mm. Dean, he's such an impressive guy. Very good coach, according to, to those uh, in Sydney that I've spoken to. And, I mean, what a player he was as a famous rookie. Coming from the north of Australia, northwest of Australia. Been plenty of those. It'd be great to see if Adam Goods did make his way into the rooms. I think it's great that he was just back today and and part of the the ceremony and the the unveiling of his of his statue. I think it's I think it's a great step because yep. he's 
He's a, he's a man that shouldn't be lost to our game, shouldn't be lost to the Sydney Swans. I don't think he is, but being up there, but certainly lost to, lost to the game. And it starts, it'd be great to see start, see Adam Good starting to just sort of get back around the game a little bit more. I think he's still very much involved with the Swans. He's got an office in their uh, new facility with uh, Mickey O. <laughs> yes. Um, for, uh, for the work they do with the Indigenous. <laughs> they would be ruling that office. Don't worry about that. Those two, especially Mickey O. And the pose they've chosen, Dwayne, for Fantastic. the statue is yeah. it is the war dance that he did in this round it against was, Carlton. Um, against Carlton. It was the Friday night game of, uh, I don't know whether we called it Sir Doug Nichols round at that stage. But no. Indigenous and round. it was divisive at the time. Different commentators called it in different ways. Um, and the, the interesting part is with history, how it gets told now, I suppose. Because to explain to people what the 70s and 80s and 90s were like, it's really difficult now. For kids, I mean, we're all in that situation, people that are my age or Jared's age, and we're a bit older than you, Jared. But I, I hope that there's an understanding that, that that Adam Goods needs to be welcomed back with love, as, as much with love as we can give him right now. I think it would be better for footy if we just go a little bit beyond and say, hey, um, we, we would love you to come back and, and we'll show our appreciation for what you did because maybe there wasn't enough of us getting it right at the time. Our Friday night fair is the Sydney Swans and Carlton on AFL Nation, and this is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for tilers. It's 11th versus 12th on the AFL ladder in round 11, so there is a clear sense of urgency for the Sydney Swans and Carlton. AFL Nation is for elders, for Australian agriculture, and for tyre power, your tyre experts. Uh, kicking around some of the issues that are before us right now. Is Richmond a good job for the new coach? I think so. Next year, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic job. I think they're right, they're right there where you can have an immediate impact as a, as a new fresh voice at that, at that footy club. So yeah, I, I think they'll, it'll be change as well with a couple of senior players retiring. I think towards, at, towards the end of the year, if not at, at the at season's end, depending on how they want to potentially exit the game, it'll be on them. So. I think it's a I think it's a really good fresh approach for for the Richmond Footy Club. I think it's a fair job. I think that while Tom Lynch is still there, um, Shy Bolton's there. They've got some good young players. They've got some. They've brought in a couple of mids, but they have got three or four going out now. As Lethal Matthews, Lee Matthews always says, uh, "You're not losing Trent Cochin of five years ago. You're losing Trent Cochin of now. You're not losing Jack Rewald of five mm. years ago, even though he." He, he has played some pretty good footy at stages this year. But uh, so those guys' performance is, is nowhere near what their reputation is uh, over 12 years mm. in the game. But, you know, I've, a good job, I think, is a job that you can see an immediate flag. I, I see a rebuilding phase before. And that, like every rebuild, you've got to get them 100% right to, to, uh, to be in a position to get a flag. But whilst Dusty and Shy Bolton, Tom Lynch... Uh, three pegs in the forward line. Um, you've got some good young kids coming through. If Sonzi, who is a very highly regarded youngster, can come in and become a highly regarded senior, uh, they've got half a dozen other young players. And you know, it sh- it shouldn't be a job where you you're going to bottom out because there's too much talent there at the moment. It's a great job if you can coach. It's not a great job if you can't coach. I think if you, because the expectation is going to be high, it's a hard act to follow. But it's a great club in terms of its stability. I mean, in terms of its membership base, how big they are, you'd want to go to... If you had a chance to go and coach somewhere to get the best out of your skill base, to test yourself out to see how good you are, I think it's a good job to go. And if you can't get it right, well, you can't get it right. But, um, yeah, I think for the right guy, it's a, it's a perfect base to go and launch yourself as a coach. How does West Coast navigate the remainder of the season? I find myself confused at various stages these days. It must be age. But I was befuddled by the conversation about Adam Simpson in the off-season. Never mind the off-season. He's got 14 torturous weeks to get through to get to an Mm. off-season. There's a a lot of rumour and speculation and, uh, you know, all sorts of scuttlebutt over in the West at the present time. Um, You can understand why because they're underperforming to a level that I don't think anybody in who's been part of the West Coast Eagles, would ever think possible. But they've got too many decisions wrong, particularly around their drafting in recent times, that uh, has, I guess, permeated uh, through their list. It's not deep. There's not a lot of young kids coming through that are of uh, quality. They've 
they've nailed a couple, I think, this year. And uh, we've seen particularly Jimby. He's, he's done pretty well. But how they navigate it, I think they've just got to get their expectations right and get their messaging right that we know we're rebuilding. We know we've, uh, we've got some serious talent deficiencies right now. They've got half a dozen waffle players, really, playing in their senior side. And they were humbled last week. They lost a lot of confidence and their, and their, their uh, intensity around the ball was nothing like it was a couple of weeks ago with a similar side in. So that's why Adam Simpson was so disappointed. But I think, I think the crowd's still turning up. And if they turn up and they see effort, then I think they'll be, uh, they won't be happy, but I think they'll go away and uh, not abandon the place and, and continue to turn up. But Adam Simpson's not going anywhere. I mean, the president said it, Adam Simpson has said it, but they do need to, you know, get some senior blokes back on the track and, and show that there's some, I guess, promise for, for next year. But ultimately, this is going to be a club who's down the bottom for a fair period of time whilst they accumulate mm. some kids and, and relaunch. I think that if they if they don't get that level of effort over the next fourteen weeks, I think they'll have a big decision to make because I can't see that changing then over a preseason just because you get a couple of senior players, you know, back around with the group that he's got now. And yes, I understand the experience factor and all those sort of things, but what we saw last week was just a, a, a lack of effort and really care for the way that they want to go about things under his guidance. So it's it's the things that don't take talent. Because we're not looking at talent now. So if he can't get the things that don't take talent right in the next 14 weeks consistently from this group, then I'm not sure how he's going to get that in, in the summer when they come back and he starts selling that, that message um, again. I, maybe the fresh voice gets it, potentially. If you sent Craig McRae over, how many wins do you think West Coast would get next year if the list stayed the same? Uh, I don't know whether the wins would, would come, but I think we'd see a a style that would see them certainly grow as a as a footy club, as a team. Yeah, so I think we saw a different style this year, but all of a sudden the players have been, you know, sucked out of the place. So mm. it's impossible to know how efficient and how, how important that style is. I get the last is. three years have been tough. Like, we were at games at Marvel where they introduced themselves to each other, the players, as they walked out to warm up. <laughs> like... It's it's been unprecedented the, yeah. what they've gone through from that perspective, and then Victoria mainly and the rest of the country coming out of COVID and them getting locked down, and then um, and then obviously the injuries that have that have gone with it they haven't recovered on. I think last year they set themselves up a lot of players just to get through the year. Yeah, they did because of the Oscar injuries, they, they, because of the injuries they had the year before and the operations they had in the yeah. summer, and they just were chasing their tail. So they said, okay, let's let's back it up a little bit to get themselves right for this year. And it just hasn't flowed again because of the uh, the keys that are out of their out of their lineup. They've been unlucky like that, but ultimately it's a it's a WNL competition, but when you're in a position like West Coast, it becomes a little bit deeper than that to your effort mm. and your intensity consistently and what you're actually bringing on match day where you are completely judged. You can prepare as well as you want off the off the park, but on match day if you're not bringing that intensity, then that's a reflection of you as the individual as the player, but also what the uh, what the message the coach is delivering? We're on the outside, so we don't know if this has happened. But if it hasn't, they need to have a review of how they go about their recruiting, their drafting. Uh, what's their strategy going to be as far as free trades are concerned? Are we are we going to try and sort of get three or four players, which makes us competitive, but actually gets us to fourteenth or gets us to fifteenth, or are we going to endure and we're just going to we're going to back in two more years of, of difficulty and. And use the senior players and expect the senior players and hopefully the senior players are playing to add some competitiveness to this group whilst we usher in the new wave. Because if you start going too early and you start, you know, trading for a McNaughton, it's too early for that. Aaron Norton. Sorry. McNaughton. McNaughton. Aaron Norton. Aaron McNaughton. <laughs> or, or Des McEnglish. Yes. <laughs> it's too early for that. I thought Hutchie had sold us a Mac before every name we've been Yes. It's infiltrated my brain. <laughs> so they've got to get their timing right and they need to have a plan as to how they're going to re-emerge. But that's the thing at the moment is, yeah, you can, you can mention Aaron Norton's name or yeah. Tim English's name, but, you know, where they're at at the moment in terms of the Bulldogs, would you be leaving the Bulldogs to go to the West Coast Eagles? No, we, we had this on Yes, No with Jono the yeah. other day, and I see uh, Ralphie wrote about it uh, this morning potentially, but it's it's all timing. Why, why would you, if you're Des English, it's Des English. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, why would you, if you're Tim English, there's one for Carlton supporters. <laughs> why would you be leaving the dogs when you're on the cusp? 
Yeah, and you've got that safe. Just wait three years. Yeah. So th- this is West Coast's problem is they've had these two reprehensible seasons yeah. and they haven't even got to the business of rebuilding. No, they haven't. Yet. So their next two years, uh, manpower are going to be worse mm. than mm. what they've experienced and they've already had these, these hemorrhaging that's a good. That's a good point. If you wait three years, Norton and, and English might have a flag. Under their belt, who knows? You mm. know what I mean. Then all of a sudden, or it might be another WA player that you that's flying at the moment around the country, and you go, okay, let's let's get him back after a successful stint at a at another club as well. So that that probably reads more sense into maybe their their direction in the next two years. Continue to develop the kids and grow, mm. but then try and land the the one or two big big WA fish back to back to the homeland. Do you think they're going to take Harley Reader's pick one or take the three best kids in Western Australia? <laughs> we had this chat the other night as well, Jared and I. I said, you've got to go Harley Reed, And then Jared go, well, you said... Two picks. Two picks, no. Three uh. picks, no. Four. Would you give up four first rounders or whatever it was for, for Harley Reed? But no, I, I, think, I think with what they're trying to do, I think Harley Reed is exactly the type of player that could get in there and get amongst it really quickly and build a strong relationship with... A Gimby, for example, and start to really build that next wave of midfielders coming through. It's it, it makes sense in your brain to go the numbers. Three numbers is better than one number. Let's go to the ex- only experience I can think of with it is is Josh Kelly for Salem, Tom Dyson, and a pick which was Josh Hunt. So ultimately, who won? It, it may well just be a, a, a nil all draw, mm. but. Salem's the only one with a premiership, so that's a tick for him. But that's out of Josh Kelly's control. Josh Kelly's been a terrific player over a long time, and so Salem for that for that matter. But they're the issues. If if they had have got three A graders for one A yeah. grader, well then it's a it's a mm. not argument. I wouldn't take tried players, but I would try to get the picks to get the three best kids in mm. Western Australia mm. rather than the one mm. best kid out of Victoria. I think that's it. The, the go-home factor is now just so accepted and, and so strong that uh, it's got to be a consideration. Yep. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. In a touch base with the Carlton camp next. Having spoken with the Swans, we'll talk to the Blues and see what they've got in mind as they take to the SCG, which historically has been hard yards for them. They need a win tonight. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Sydney Swans and Carlton to begin round 11. The two teams are unchanged. The subs, Corey Warner is the sub for the Swans and Ed Kerno is that for the Blues. Welcome back to AFL Nation for Elders when the ultimate grand final weekend by opening an Elders prepayment account and for tyre power, your tyre experts. Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Jared Healy and Brad Johnson with you and with us from the SCG Blues assistant coach Tim Clark. Tim, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks for having me, guys. Tim, what have you been working on this week? There's been a, a lot of talk around improvements and sticking to the process and refining. What have you been working on this week from what you learnt on Sunday against Collingwood? Uh, the, uh, our biggest focus this week is the contest in our defensive game. We, we know if we can uh, win the ball out of the middle, especially here at the SCG, uh, win the stoppage game, we'll get some territory. And the way the Sydney Swans play, they're so so aggressive out of uh, their back half with their ball movement. So if we can defend them really well, um, get a few forward turnovers, we'll, we'll give our forwards a good look tonight. Tim, sometimes an interstate trip comes at the comes at the right time. Is that is that how you're approaching it internally with the fact that you can actually get away together as a group? Yeah, look, we, we love the interstate trips. Yeah, VFL team played just before us. Um, we've come away as a footy club, travel well together. We get to spend a lot of time together and now, we've had a really good week on the, the training track. It was a five-day turnaround, so you don't do a lot of training, but it's really focused in around what we want to get out of out of tonight. So we, we can't wait for the game to start. Has the VFL team set the tone for the senior team? Yeah, they did. They had a good win. They're very undermanned at the moment, the, the Swans at VFL level. So um, we were expected to win the game, but you still got to roll out and you still got to roll out and perform, and the boys did that. What do you take away from, and what, what's really impressed you? I shouldn't say take away. What's really impressed you, Tim, about Adam Chera, especially his last five weeks? He's, he's hit some some great heights, some some really strong numbers as well. Yeah, like he's he's a terrific player, Chez. He gives us a lot of punch around our stoppage and our contest work. 
but he's also got the ability to be able to swap and play a bit of half-back um, and, and set us up with his ball use. And that allows us to have some flexibility with the Doherty, um, whether he plays midfield or half-back. And he's been really good for us in that role, Chez. And um, just the maturity around the ball. He's a young kid, but the way he plays, he just understands the game. So he, uh, looking forward to a big game from Chera tonight. The, uh, the, the criticism has been that you're going too wide and too slow. I assume that that's not what you're chasing. What are you chasing? No, we, we want to be more direct. We want to get more speed on the ball. It's something that we, we really want in our game. Um, you know, Tommy DeConning's come in to the team tonight and will play uh, both the combination of forward and ruck. So we feel we can really stretch them forward of the ball. Uh, so yep. we're going to be much more direct in tonight's game. Is there any thought on any any talk internally around Tom and a, and a positional change to potentially a defensive player at all, Tim? Or is it more just stick with what uh, what he's done in the past and, and keep him in that ruck forward role? Oh, we, we think Tommy's a, a really powerful ruck forward. Uh, we think that's his best position for us at the moment. There was one of our development coaches, when you see his brother go so well for Geelong behind the ball, he did, he did mention that a couple of times that... Very smart man, that, that development coach. Very smart <laughs> man. <laughs> the, um, so there has been some talk about it, but geez, Tommy's played some fantastic footy. I know last year one of his best games was against the Swans and he, he impacted the game really well with his aerial work. And we feel that coming back into the team, he was really impressive last week in the VFL. Uh, we think he's going to give us a really good look forward to the ball and in the ruck tonight. How do you rectify your starts? It's very tough, Tim. I, I certainly understand it. It's, it's a lot about conversations and then the players have to go and, and execute. But how do you get them to that right frame of mind to, to start the game well? Because that's probably where the last couple I of weeks it's let you I down. The ball has been really ready for the, the start. Mm. Um, you know, last week, I, they, they managed to kick three goals in a, in a three or four-minute period, Collingwood, without us even touching the ball. And mm. you now we just need our, our leaders around the midfield to be able to really dig in deep around those periods and make sure we're getting our hands on the footy, we're putting pressure on the opposition and uh, leadership out on the ground. Our boys are really, when they go out, they've got a great frame of mind, they're ready for the contest, but when the other team throws a, a punch, we, we need our leaders standing up in those moments. Tim, who would be winning your best and fairest right now? Uh, the combination of a few guys. We've had some players that have, have played really consistent years um, so far, so we... Uh, there's a couple of guys in and around the middle. Uh, you, you mentioned Chera before. I think yep. he's had a, had a had a really consistent year. You got Charlie Kerno, he's kicked a few goals. There's some guys who who stand out. Outside of those two guys, we, we've had some consistent performers, but they're probably the boys, uh, them and maybe maybe Nick Newman in the back line done some great roles for us. So it's a, uh, they're probably the boys who I would say uh, have been most consistent. So will Nick Newman uh, line up on Tom Papley? Uh, it would be a good matchup for us if uh, <laughs> yep. he can get Papley as much as he can tonight. If Papley goes into the middle, will Newman go with him or just pick him up on the way through? Oh, it depends. Like sometimes Papley goes in and plays as a midfielder, and you know, in those situations, we'd, we'd hand him over to our midfield group. But uh, if he's a forward that's coming inside a stoppage, uh, we've got a plan for that to happen tonight, and they do do that at times, the Swans. So you'll be playing the three tools trying to stretch the Swans who are missing a number of their key defenders? Yeah, well, it's not necessarily to stretch the Swans, but um, we are playing with the three tools in our forward 50 tonight. Uh, yeah, they won't always be on the ground together with, with Tommy playing some minutes in the ruck as well. Um, but if we can get the ball inside 50, especially on this ground, um, yeah, get it deep inside 50, we think we'll give our boys a really good look. This time last year, Mitch McGovern was... Uh pushing for all Australian squad, intercept mark, delivery off the half-back line. How have you rated his year this year? And and what's his role, or what's the instruction for him to get to his best? Yeah, this has been working hard on his game. Um, he, he would be the first to admit that he, he, he could play a little bit better. Uh, and he relies heavily on the on the pressure up the ground. And, you know, the midfield group need to make sure they're doing their work to, to put pressure on the ball to allow... Um, not only Gav, but all all our defenders have a better look at the aerial ball. And we love the footy when it's in uh, Mitch McGovern's hands. He's a good user. He sets us up. And let's hopefully uh, hopefully he brings that game tonight. Brody Kemp, pick 17. He's, he's a high draft pick. And a couple of weeks ago, I saw him come into the side and play. He played really well, really impressive. Uh, he's, he's one, I think, that 
hasn't really hit the lights just yet, but he's is one that you've got there that should do you well over the next decade. Yeah, he's, he's playing some really good footy in the in the VFL, and he came in and the game that he came, that he played against West Coast earlier in the year, where he took uh, the first five minutes. I think he had three or four intercept marks, yep. and uh, he's really growing that part of his game. He's got some areas that he's really working on hard with uh, Aaron Hamill, our defensive coach. Uh, we feel we've got a real player there. Um, he's just got to keep working hard to build his game. And you know, similar to Mitch, like ho- hopefully he can have a good game tonight if he can get enough pressure on the ball. A lot of talk about Harley Reid and you guys that the Blues are having a big impact on his development. Tim, did he play in the in the VFL this week? No, nah, he didn't play this week. Yep. But it's been good having him uh, play in the VFL. The boys really like his personality. Yeah, Kizzy gets after the ball well and. You can see why he's got such a reputation so far uh, as, a, as a number one or potential number one pick. And if he, he played against us a couple of weeks ago in the VFL and played really well in that game too. So you got a good one there in the... Uh, you do a little bit of, work, bit of work with him, mate, in the under 18 team? No, it's the first year, Tim, that I haven't uh, that I that I've stepped away from the uh, from the academy. It would have been nice oh, okay. to have a uh, have a look up close into his development. But talk to Luke Power a lot about you know obviously the development of him, and he's he's really impressed. Uh, he's got some amazing power. His ability to go similar to like a danger field does. Um, you know, at Horn Francis, you're seeing over the last sort of month with his football, you, the ability to go from nothing to really quick, uh, the power that they've got, that's what he's got in his game. And he'll be exciting in the next couple of years as he transitions into AFL. If he was available, a serious question, if he was available, would he be in your team right now? No, it's too hard to look at that sort of stuff. Mm. Like we, in our midfield, we've got a, We've got a really solid midfield group. A um, couple of them have been a bit down on form at different stages this year. But, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of midfielders playing in the VFL that are playing really good footy but haven't been able to get a game. Um, so I'm not too sure how we go. I need to see him over a few weeks and he need to be part of what, what we'd be looking at. I get to watch him at VFL, but we never look at him through that lens. Okie doke. We'll have a look at this one through the same lens. <laughs> and this is a question that I've been asked a hundred times by Carlton supporters. When are you going to give Paddy Dow another run, given he's uh, getting 30s and 40 possessions, which is something he didn't do for a long time? Yeah, you know, he's playing some terrific footy, Paddy. Uh, and he's he's fighting and he's scratching at the moment yep. in a combination of midfield and forward roles. He'll get a game when an opportunity comes up, and that, that could be through through injury. And that could be through a player continuing not to play play good footy. Uh, that could be this week, could be next. So he, he's continually playing and pushing yep. uh, pushing his name up there. He's playing the best footy that I've seen him play. And how did the Jack Silvanis conundrum come up through selection? How did you go through that? Uh, Tommy DeConning, we thought we wanted to get him in and to play that sort of forward ruck role, which is a role that Jack's been playing. Um, you know, today in the in the VFL, he played the majority of the game in the back line to, to have a look at him in that position. Um, so really, Tommy DeConning coming in couldn't play with the four of them in our forward line. It's just a little bit uh, a little bit too tall, and we wanted to give Tommy a look tonight. But Jack was the one that missed out, and uh, he's looking to build his game in some other areas, which he did today in the VFL and played quite well. Tim, good to have you with us. Good luck for tonight. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good call. Good on you, Tim Clark. Assistant coach at Carlton. Can I just go through one of my pet hates? Go on. I heard, I've heard it once from Kane and once from Tim, particularly here at the SCG with centre bounces. Now, that did used to be the case in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> yes. But go, Jared. The MCG from the centre square, centre, <laughs> centre bounce to the goals is 80 metres. The Gabba is 78. SCG is 77.75. It's two metres difference. It makes no difference whatsoever uh, compared to any other ground. You get the ball out of the centre, it's a win whatever ground you're on. Can I throw up another little one? Paddy Dow's playing the best football of his career and he can't get a game. Mm. Yeah, That's well, a pretty to, best... say something because Paddy's... Paddy's best of his well. career and he can't get a game. And I, I liked your question on Harley Reid because when we interviewed Chris Fagan at the draft yeah. last year, and I know Will Ashcroft, different situation because of, uh, you know, the father-son and, and being a part of their academies, but he said that um, that he would have picked Will last year yeah. after a couple of his VFL performances yeah. if he was able to pick him. About 12 years ago, we had an international rules day, a practice match before we left. Mm-hmm. It was the Australian team versus the under-18s. <laughs> 
And I'm telling you now, if I had the capacity, Chris Judd would have got on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he was electric. <laughs> Nathan Buckley said the year that Nick Dacos came and spent a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. If he'd been on the list, he would have played him straight yeah. away. Yep. Just, so there you go. Yeah. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for Tylers. Swans and Carlton coming up on Friday Night Footy. Our presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Uh, footy returns to Darwin. Jono, what's how how peculiar is playing in Darwin? It's a different it's a different setup, no question. And it's 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 difficult because it, it is slippery. Yeah, no no question. But we used to we used to get in the heat chamber a couple of weeks out. So while we're still playing in Melbourne, we go to Vic Uni and jump in the heat chamber and do bike sessions just in in. Um, preparation for that and getting used to sort of the, the the different level of sweating that you that that is produced up there and the kilos that are lost in in game and it's just a it's just more around that we'd we'd wear sweatbands we'd wear one glove some would wear two some some would decide to wear to wear none so it's just those things that those little quirks that you wouldn't normally do throughout the season that you just got to prepare prepare for and. It's they've got the cool room at the ground, so it's coming off and jumping straight in the cool room to, to try and uh, cool yourself down. So there's just those little things that, that happen in game. But um, I loved it up there. It was 30 degrees every day. You you felt great about yourself. Yep. You're you're warmed up. And but the the advantage we had is we normally would play by week, so we play and have a buy. So you'd be able to spend a couple of days post, stay warm, recover well, do all that sort of stuff before before coming home. Played a practice game up there once against the uh, all Indigenous side. Mm-hmm. Sydney Swans went up. It was about what time of year though? Was that February? Was that earlier? Yeah, it was, it was about then. So that's, was, that's a different. It was beast again. It was sticky and it was humid. Mm. But the issue was the crowd. There was about twelve thousand people there, and the place only held about uh, I don't know fifteen. It wasn't <laughs> at the the ground they're at now. Yeah. But Warwick was up one end, and the 12,000 people all gravitated to one end, and then the tight pants shorts went to the other end, and they all transferred to the other end of the ground. He was a, a huge name well, we'd back have, in those 80s. We, our game would be stopped due to a streaker every year, right. and the streaker would start on one side, yep. get to the other, and the crowd would look after him. He'd jump the fence, they'd block security so he could get out of the get out of the ground. We always had a, a streaker. We had a streaker delay for three years in a row right, be, while we are up there. I believe the dogs are consuming room temperature yep. water. No ice and room temperature water. Yep. Yeah, we used to have the... I don't think I ever did it, but some players had to put the bucket in the in in the room and things like that, and you know, obviously but to keep it moist, to, yeah, and to not, and then the air conditioning, you know, you couldn't have it on all the time when you needed it on all the time. Different things that were always sort of tried, but because we are, we we played quite well up there, so once you get that first win, you love it as anyway, um, because initially it was you know we're selling another game to go to Darwin and all those sort of things, but in the end it, it worked out to be quite positive for us as a, as a footy club. It's a critical game for this. It's critical two weeks for the Suns. It's, mm. it's life on the line, really. So that we, we, you know, they've, they've died a f- half a dozen times, the Suns, and they keep bobbing back up. But uh, this next two weeks, I mean, if they could win both games, it, mm. uh, it would really launch their season again. Six and six, put them in the cusp of contention. Yep. Four and eight, and they're out of business at mm. the bye. Yep. So there's and a, they're playing pretty good footy, and so it's a good time to be travelling. How great's the 100-game milestone for Mason Cox? Yeah, I love the story, but I'm probably... There's an upside to footy sometimes that you think it it just makes our game even more beautiful when something happens. And I think Mason Cox's story, it's not just your ordinary story. It's the story that makes our game even even greater because it brings it onto a world stage platform. I mean, Jared was close to the Jim Stein story. How good was that And in terms of the growth of our game and what it meant for our game in terms of the overall perspective of where our game was at at the the time, getting an Irish Mm. player to come over and play. Mm. I think Mason Cox's story has sort of done that for this little era to show that, you know, it is a great game, our game, and if you do want to embrace it and you come from overseas and you've got a skill set, here's what you can do, and you can be a star, and you can be boisterous, and you can be an extrovert, and you can have the right amount of swag and the right amount of, of intelligence to be able to carry it off. There's just so many different elements to it. So, no, I love it. Are we going to try and emulate it? No, apparently not. We've I sort wonder of shut why. The door Isn't that strange? It? We've, yeah. had, uh, we've had a Canadian, Mike Pike, mm. and we've had Coxie come over, and both have played a bit similar. It took some time to get yeah. on, but, I mean, Mike Pike's a premiership player. 
mm. and has made his home in Sydney. I mean, it's craziness. We have got a dearth of big men in this competition. And uh, the obvious place to go is, well, anywhere really, but uh, go and find wherever Mason Cox comes from. And he's a smart character. He's a very clever man. You can just see... I reckon you can see three or four, five years ago that he understood the nuances of the game with his taps here and his mm. little little kicks there. I think he's been underrated for a fair period of time. But maybe he didn't work hard enough. Who knows? But if, if Mason Cox can do it, others can. I, we're, I, we're crazy not trying to explore. Well, Sheen Mullins playing tomorrow for the Cats. So, yeah, that's so what the, Irish, the Irish this development over time. I'm not sure if we've got more Irish players in the game now than we ever have, but it feels like it. Mm. But it doesn't feel like it's a big, as big a story anymore. Because there are so many Irish players coming through that yeah. you know we don't make a big deal about it. When Ty Kennelly did it, it was a big deal. When Jim Steins, so we got arguable. Well, I think um, Zach Tui called him the Nick Dacos of Irish football yeah. coming over to play for the Cats. I was actually there at his pre-season game. There was a lockout session, and uh, the Cats let me in. Luckily enough, and the recruiting staff were pretty excited about this kid, and I sort of earwigged on the conversation because they were talking about this Irish kid that they'd got over that they thought was going to be a gun. Mm. So, I mean, given where we are with Ireland now, maybe it's going to take some time, Jura, but it seems like a crazy thing not to not to tap into it's it It's been hard. tried, though. The shift to Sheehan has been over to the US. They've done combines in the US, and I don't know whether they are still something that is that is happening nope. currently. So it's all, it's all cash. So the, the COVID killed it all. Yeah, so it's all... There's more money in their games, though. I mean, Ireland's got its games, yes, mm. in comparison. They've got soccer, they've got uh, rugby, obviously, and they've got um, Gaelic, Gaelic football. football and hurling. But in comparison, our game is the professional game at the other end if you want to play it and play it for a, a full-time living. Whereas the, in the US, you think of football, there's a lot of athletes that could be competing for America at the Olympics, mm. but they don't even go for the trials because they're earning too much money playing football. Mm. So mm. there's too many sports, I think, in the US maybe luring these big guys, athletes, yeah. to, to come and play for us. I mean, the, the money in basketball is ridiculous. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's astronomical what Josh Giddy is going to get now in the next... 20 years. It's not just life-changing for Josh Giddy. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's hard to even explain to an Australian, I suppose, what that kind of money mm. is like in sport because we think the Aussie rules players are well-paid when they get a million. Yeah, no, when you're going by your own jet, that's uh, when you know you're in a, <laughs> yeah. a different league. <laughs> no, that's, exactly, and that's what they do. I mean, you, you look at their games over there, people don't realise, but after the game in a basketball game, they all go to the airport through the private entrance, get on the private jet, fly out with, you know, the luxurious seats and mm. they get their decompression stuff done on their legs or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a different world. It's not like they go through economy. So how did Mason Cox slip through? Was it because he was a soccer player? I mean, he was a keeper, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I think the gap is if you don't make it from college to NBA or yeah. college to the NFL, mm. there's actually – they don't play mm. – they don't have the VFL and the amateurs. Yeah. And yeah. That, it's all that, over. That's the gap. Yeah. And the he flew to LA. who aren't going to quite make it. Mm. Mm. Flew to LA for the international trial. Yeah. So we'll give this thing go and look it out. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. The Sydney Swans and Carlton coming up. We'll run you through the rest of the round as well. The changes that have landed for the games on Sunday. Uh, and just give you a little luck tester as to how round 11 is going to unfold. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Specialists.